Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. Today, Frangela is back. I can't wait. The comedy duo, Frangela, it's Francis Collier and Angela Shelton. And not only are they smart, they're, um, I mean, I should say not only are they funny, they're incredibly smart, they're incredibly articulate, and they are, um, I think they help me see things that maybe as a white person uh, I hadn't considered. And we talked a little bit about that because the last time they were on the show, they brought something up and this is what we talked about on this show, but I'm just going to make you listen to it to find out. But, you know, they told me some experiences they had as black women that just fucking blew my mind. I couldn't believe that they had to go through that. So I really wanted to talk to them today and find out their thoughts on the protests and, and white people and white people like me who, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a tall, nice looking white blonde woman who's filled with privilege. And so I wanted to have discussions with them that, you know, are a little bit more nuanced and, and we did. And, and talking to them is always, it always makes me happy. Um, just FYI, they, uh, their dog was not feeling well. So he coughed a couple of times and I think it's a he. And I'm just going to be really brief in saying this because I've talked about my cat Miranda now for a little over a month because she had a bowel blockage last month. And, um, you know, there's just been some issues and problems. But I think what's happening at this point is I think she has dementia. So I'm going to have to deal with that. I think she's dealing with sundowning and I can treat her a little bit with um, with CBD oil. I'm not going to go the route of um, giving her antidepressants uh, for a number of reasons, but she's 16 years old. So I don't know what's going to happen and I don't know how long she's going to be with me. So as long as she's here, I'm going to do everything I can to make her life happy, you know? So today I just figured this out this morning. And so it's like today I figured this out. And then I know, you know, I'm, it, I felt bad because their dog was coughing and I just want all the animals to be feeling good. <laughs> I love the animals. But um, before we get started, I just want to get into the fact that Start Me Up is an independent podcast and it's woman run. That's I'm the woman. And I, I do not have corporate backers. I do not use advertisers. I may one day, but I do not right now. So it's patrons who keep this podcast going. If you like the show today, please check out the front page, the about section. You can see past guests. Um, you get the format of the show explained. And basically the deal is two. I do two free shows every week. That's Monday and Wednesday. And then either on Tuesday or Thursday, twice a month, I do patrons only. And as I explained in the patrons only show yesterday, here's how it's going to work. So, you, so let's say you sign up for anywhere from $1 to $4. If you, if you support the show for that much, first of all, thank you. Um, but you will get one of those patrons only shows. And if you sign up for $5 or more, you get the two that I do every month. And those patrons only shows are a little bit more personal. A lot of the time they're done with Steph Walton. And, and it's just, you know, I mean, obviously we still talk about politics and stuff like that, but we talk about more personal stuff. And boy, yesterday we, we totally went there. We, we were talking about personal things in our lives. So anyway, um, that's pretty much how it works. But sign up for, you know, if you sign up for say $2 a month, you get every show, um, every free show delivered to your email box so you don't have to go looking for it. That's kind of a plus. And like I said, $5 or more gets you into the patrons only and that's two times per month. But don't 
don't think that you have to go by what the tiers say. You know, I set up the tiers. I can't remember what I, the dollar amounts that I set up, but you could put in any dollar amount you want. And then the other thing is if you check the Patreon description of the show, um, you will find my email address. That's what I use for PayPal if you want to do a one-time payment. And this podcast, Start Me Up, can be found on Stitcher or wherever podcasts are found. I just will always ask and beg that you please become a subscriber over there at Apple um, Podcasts because it's free. Just become a subscriber. And then if you would, give me a review and a rating if you like the show. I would appreciate it. But that's it for now. I'm going to go right into my conversation because it's a really, 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 really good one. So going to go right into my conversation with Frangela. Welcome, Frangela. Hi. Yay. I'm so glad you guys are here. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Well, just so everybody knows, um, we tried to do a Skype thing, but obviously, you know, with technology, Skype is kind of a bitch. So um, it didn't work very well. So what we're doing is uh, they are talking on their phone, I think on speakerphone. So um, just in case the quality isn't exactly what you're used to. But when I did a little test sound, everything sounded good. So I'm just putting it out there. But I'm really glad that I have you guys here because I think about you, especially um, with these protests going on and you know, obviously you're women of color and you're intelligent and you're smart and you're funny, which is, I think, a really interesting um, addition to the to the group of what you are, considering this is what's going on. And I just want to know, I mean, A, I want to know your thoughts about what's happening, but I specifically want to know what what kind of change do you think this will bring? Because we've seen that we, you know, we've seen the white cops murdering unarmed, non-threatening black people before, whether it's been children or women or men. And we had the protest for a few days and then everybody was like, okay, next. And so it seems like this is different. I don't know. I want your thoughts. You know, I, I would say Kim that first off, this is Francis that, just like I think most of America or much of America, I won't say all of it, but mm -hmm. much of America was traumatized when we watched uh, George Floyd yeah. being murdered. Yeah. And so that's the first place that all, you know, and heartbroken. Yeah. Heartbroken because this is another, yet another man, another person mm -hmm. killed at the hands of, you know, the, the state sponsored killing of the, of the government yeah, right right and so and here we are and so but this has been and Angela and I have talked back and forth a little bit about it personally never in our lifetimes have we seen anything like this mm -hmm. yeah. in terms of protest and what's most important and can't be said enough it's it's white people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it is the white people who are outraged yeah I cannot I can only fix my sins Right. I can't pick Joe sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that is the biggest, for me, the biggest thing. Hmm. I think for me, this is Angela. Um, it's like, I think that throughout our history in this country and certainly in my lifetime, discussions about race um, involving white people or sort of a greater community always focused on people's hearts and minds, mm -hmm. yeah. like, which are, were always about like, you know, like I want to use the right languaging or I think it's wrong to be racist. Well, I don't think he really <laughs> was being racist when he, you know, put his knee in that guy's right, neck. Right. You know, and, it, and there's been this, um, this sort of this talking about changing people's hearts and minds. And what I'm seeing people get, in these protests is 
fuck the hearts and minds, mm-hmm. change the policy practice and legislation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that that you can't. I mean, the the it's also getting people to something I really thought would never happen, which is look at criminal justice reform outside of just punishment, yeah. outside of um, incarceration, and look at what is the what is the police's what are the police function? How do they function in our society? Do we want or need that? And in and you're seeing if you go, you know, as a podcaster, you know, you look at other podcasts. I guarantee, if you go right now and look at look up, try to reference police brutality. I cannot tell you how many podcasts are going to come up yeah. of people trying to look at and discuss what policing means in this country, what it has meant historically, mm-hmm. what it means to different communities. And and I think that that hearing actual discussions about do we need to police the way we do at all? Mm-hmm. Right. Is never something I never <sighs> saw. That's my dog. He's having a little bit of a problem. Oh, poor baby. Um, he, um, <laughs> We've never seen that the discussion get move into that in any real way. And certainly we haven't seen within weeks of protest. I mean, the Democrats have a bill they put they're trying to put through this week. Absolutely. That never happened. We right. had senators and we had Rand Paul stop it. Mm-hmm. But we had yeah, yeah, one of them, the lynching. The lynching. Yes, you right. know. But but but, but you had the, you had legislation come up very quickly mm-hmm. with that. You know, so it is not only on the forefront of people's minds. I believe we're seeing now people are putting have made the have made have made the in cap connection mm-hmm. of tragedy happens. We have a feeling. Get something done on the other end of mm-hmm. that feeling, yeah. so that it is not for naught. No, and the idea that you keep protesting, that you don't yeah. wait for move on or whoever to call, to send you a text. You go. Go now. Go to right. any corner. The fact that these protests are coming happening every day, just it semi-spontaneously without speakers, without, you know, right. 18 hours of important people you've heard of flying in for the speech and flying back out. Mm-hmm. That people are taking it upon themselves. <laughs> The fact that the uh, these two these two younger white women who uh, it, who are just the epitome of legally blonde, you know, um, <laughs> to look at them and they're they're yeah. you know they're just moved in. They have become black militants. They're mm-hmm. they're in their building in my building. Their balcony. They have hung Black Lives Matter. Wow. No life matters. If black lives don't matter. Yeah. Um. You know, signs and 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 hangings out of their uh, apartment. They've been going to marches. They keep moving signs that say that all over the building. Um, and and I, I've never seen that. And I guess what I think one of the things I'm feeling that I've heard a lot of other black people say and brown people is we're really tired. Yeah. And we're all exhausted. And mm-hmm. the, and between the coronavirus and being just outright hunted and killed by by white right. people who are police and, and white people who are not yeah. for centuries, but particularly during Donald Trump, the, the rise in, in the level of BS that we have to deal with mm-hmm. on a daily basis, from microaggressions to straight up lynching, mm-hmm. um, Ahmed Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, Sandra Bland on down, it's we're really tired. And so I, for me, I, I wake up every day in this sort of weird place of I am hopeful, but I've been, but these, this is not a new discussion. And I yeah. go, well, we've been having this discussion. Right. And, and then this is why, this is why if you are white and you have ever been met with a stank face when you ask the question, about what can I do? Mm-hmm. It is that is because black people tired. Mm-hmm. Because right. as a black person, let me tell you from get go, when I come out of the womb, I have I am forced, I have no choice but to drink from the milk of white culture. Mm-hmm. I have to learn how to breathe, wash, mm-hmm. and exist in your culture. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even as you steal ours. Yes. <laughs> you to make money off of it, whatever you do. <laughs> right. But here's the deal. I got to watch Aaron Melber talk about rap every day. Exactly. <laughs> no, I, I know. Oh, my God. Culture. So for a white person to come to me mm-hmm. and ask me, so what do I do? Mm-hmm. You do the fucking work is what yeah, you do. Right. You do what I've done my entire 51 years. That's what you do. Well, we're the so same it's, age. It's, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I want to say I took there was I, I think it might have been CNN, um, but I don't know what it was. Anyway, there was a privilege test. And so I took it and it was out of 100. And so there was a bunch of questions asked. And I, I knew that my privilege would be high. Um, I'm a white woman. So I, I mean, the only the only thing that kept me from getting 100, basically, um, I think it was a couple things. Uh, that were unrelated, but mostly it was just gender. You know, like, have you ever yeah. been discriminated against because you're a woman? Yes. Um, but then there were questions like, have you been discriminated against because of your religion? No. Have you been discriminated against because of your hair? No. Right. I mean, some of these questions you could tell, you know, which people, whether they were LGBT or, you know, African-American or Muslim or whatever, you could tell who they were geared to. But when the when I took the test, I got 70. Like, yeah. I'm so fucking privileged. I'm at 70. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, other people were taking that. There was a white woman on my Facebook page who took it, and I think she was at, like, 58. And so mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what the deal was. I think with her, because it was also body shaming. So if you're heavier, you'll get discrimination and privilege. So, right. um, you know, so there's all kinds of discrimination. Not lynched. Right, exactly. Yeah. Not lynched and not killed, but facing some <laughs> kind of discrimination. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like... But there is, you know, I mean, I'd like to describe a story and, and I really want to emphasize that I am not coming from the poor white woman. I'm just trying to help. Um, but I felt like there was an, there was a situation that I was in several years ago where I belonged to a feminist group on Facebook. And so mm-hmm. I would just randomly post articles, you know, in all the feminist groups. So at some point, the group that I was in changed over and it was um, a black feminist group. And I, I didn't know. So anyway, I'm going. (laughs) So I I went in and I posted my article and I believe the article, I think it was Jennifer Lawrence. And I think she said something to the effect of, you know, I don't know, I had something to do with equal pay. And so I posted it in the group and I started I started seeing that there was tons of comments coming up. The comments were pissed. They were angry and they were saying, you know, she's, you know, calling on her, saying she's a white woman and this and she's clueless and she's not going to help black people. And so, again, I did not know my audience and, and, and I wasn't being rude or anything, but I just I said, but I think it's good that she's speaking up at all because women in the industry and obviously black women have it worse. No matter what the fucking deal is, black women have more discrimination. There's they have to be you know, I don't want to say they have to be fearful, but there's more that they have to be fearful of just because of the society that we have. So anyway, I didn't know my audience and I was just like, no, I think she's just, you know, so, so I, I was clearly pissing the people in this group off. And then I realized where I was. And so I stayed in and, 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 and I felt terrible. I really felt terrible because I felt like I just I kept putting my foot in my mouth and I didn't know what to say. And I and I felt like the ignorant, privileged white woman. And and the thing is, is that I was met with frustration from these, you know, this group, the group of people. They were pissed off at me. I think they were pissed off in general. And I, I absolutely I mean, and, and just to. Uh, I've said this on the show before, but my granddad was a racist and I used to argue with him all the time. And I used to say because he was beaten up by some black kids and I kept saying, but if white kids 
beat you up? Would you hate all white people? And he and would I say, guarantee white kids did beat him up. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and he would get so pissed off at me when I would say that. But I kept telling and I and I thought about it as a teenager. I thought, why? Why, you know, because he would want, you know, his art, he didn't really argue with me, but I think like his argument would be something like, well, you know, black people do this or they rob and they steal and this and that. And it's like, and I thought about it and I thought, well, why, if that's, you know, that's the case, if that's the example you're going to use, why would that be? It's the same reason that they're going to loot or do, you know, and, and it's, and I'm not just saying they're the only ones looting because mostly I think it was like white supremacists doing it and getting people. I mean, obviously we saw the video of black people, but I think that white people kind of started it and, you know, that we know there were white supremacist groups, but even so, I mean, how do you, deal with fucking decades and 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 you know hundreds of years of being treated like you're not i don't know not even secondary just like you could just well, you be know, killed I, and I nobody cares address that. first of all especially talking about looting and stealing and all of that first let's talk about access and going back to you discussing privilege right mm-hmm. privilege provides access right and we live in a capitalist yeah. society and so as we live in a capitalist society, we are all told to want certain things, to mm-hmm. consume certain things. And if you don't have access to those things, you are not living in, or you're not even a part of the American No, dream. you can't be successful without these these sort of keys of success. People yeah. need to look at you and see that car, that shirt, those shoes, yeah. that, you know. Right. So when when there is crisis and there's an opportunity to get your comeuppance mm-hmm. from a system that disregards you continuously, mm-hmm. what do you do? Yeah. Because, because the, the system has told you yeah. for us to look at you and value you properly, you need to show the outward manifestation mm-hmm. of these things. Yes. It's, there's a couple levels to it, too. I think, number one, um, the, the stuff that we don't even, I think a lot of us have even stopped complaining about in terms of microaggressions. It, the thing is, Francis, uh, this is just one of a billion examples, but was at Gelson's one day, which is sort of a higher price grocery store, right? Yeah, it's not, right. it's a little smaller. All, all the quantities of things are smaller. It's a little higher price. Yeah. Francis is one day shopping and a white woman comes up to her and says, I need your help. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 tells, and continues oh to go, my God. go get me, <gasps> go get me, go get me. And Francis is just dressed like a I'm like, oh she's not known. The people at this grocery store wear a uniform. They wear a uniform right. shirt that says Gelson's on it. Mm-hmm. They wear the same, it's the same color for everyone, the same color pants. She's not wearing anything. It's not like she's wearing a blue top and cap. She's not even in anywhere near that outfit. Yeah. And this woman is now getting mad because she thinks that Francis is refusing to help her. Oh and then her friend comes over and is like, um, I don't think she works here. <sighs> and the woman was like, uh, and didn't even really get embarrassed, stayed angry. Yeah. Wow. And kind of walked away in a huff. Now, here's the thing. That was Princess Dress, very nice. If you looked at her you and you weren't just seeing black, uh-huh. you might have noticed that, that this person looks like they have some kind of money, right? right? Maybe not, you know, you're not like, you know, ostentatiously. Oh, no. you're not, you're not, <laughs> you know what I mean? But you look, you know, you're clean, you're, it's matching, it looks stylish, yeah. whatever. So when we dress like that, we get treated badly. What do you think is going to happen if I show up the right. way that a bunch of, I've seen a lot of my dirty white friends show up to stuff? What happens if I show up pristine, you know, on top of it? Number one. Number two, stealing Pampers isn't looting. We're in the middle (laughs) of a a real difference, you know, between some of the things we were witnessing and others. Right. And I think um, that 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 Matt needs to said. And three, I think that in terms of what you're talking about in the feminist group, white feminism 
and understand well, when I say that I don't mean white feminists. No, and I, I don't. I, I mean this particular feminism in this country, which is white feminism, the dominant feminism yes. that is allowed to exist. What it does is it continually says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I acknowledge that your situation is, is worse, but we're talking about mine now. Exactly. Right. It, yeah. it, it's always we are always the thing that can be put off to the side. We're always the thing you don't have time for. For example, The Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. We're big sci-fi dork fans. I love that book. The TV version somehow decided the way to deal with race was to act like somehow this was a fascist, totalitarian, misogynist regime that was cool on race. Right. So they decided, and when asked about this, I, the interview, and Margaret Atwood seemed to be down with it, was, well, you know, we did, we wanted to, encom- uh, you know, have more black actors on, because in the book what happens is black people are rounded up and forced to leave. Oh, my God. Wow. Because, and it's just like a couple sentences, like the children of Han, Han are, are sent out of the country after this, you know, revolution where these people, you know, these racist fascists take over. The idea that you can have fascism, the idea that you can have a white power structure that doesn't acknowledge whiteness as being superior is absolutely offensive. Yeah. And for me, it is a real shortcoming of the show. Now, on the other hand, I go as a black actor, more black people get roles, more yeah. black people get parts. But and they have in this last season, they start to semi address it. Mm hmm. That there was definitely, of course, some racism. Yeah. But we are always the issue. We are always going to go, of course, it goes without saying that things are worse for you. But let's go without saying it and move on to the rest mm-hmm. of our discussion. And, and, yeah. and that's where the frustration comes in, because it feels like it shouldn't matter what your audience is. That just We should be encompassed in every discussion, whether we're in the audience or not. And what yeah. Ange was talking about is intersectionalism, yes. right? Yes. And so and we're having a, a discussion about white feminism and not being in, and white feminism, not really, truly being intersectional. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so or intergenderous, like the yes. idea that like oh, Rowling. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. A woman is for everyone. And, yeah. and I'm going to tell you something. Every and womanhood in this country is defined by the white vagina. Yeah. That's why Amy Cooper called it her personal protection. Right. That's right. Because whether or not she calls herself anything else, which she is, she has called label herself a liberal uh, feminist. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but her feminism didn't extend to black women. It certainly didn't extend to anybody else. Yeah, At the yeah. end of the day, she knew in her soul, instinctively, viscerally, that she could call the police and say African-American. Yeah. Change her voice like she was distressed. And, and that was her ultimate power. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing that where we go, okay, it's the denial of that reality. Yeah. Yes. It's acting like we aren't all aware of that or it doesn't affect you or it isn't a part of your thinking. We have a really good friend, Catherine Fuget, who um, is an amazing woman and writer. You should read her pieces on Medium. Um, and it's F-U-G-A-T-E. And she writes about she's a white woman from the South and she writes about privilege and she writes about how racism exists because it benefits white people mm-hmm. straight up. Mm-hmm. Yes, abso- That's why. absolutely. And, and and white women have made it, white feminism has made uh, the moves, the feminist movement work for white women, um, period. And here we are, if, you know, I just have one stat to give you. 53% of white women voted for Donald Trump. I know. 53, let me tell you something, the shame of what's happening in this country, that is on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I just remember and that, that group, the hate bill here, the eight. You know, no one hate, hate, no one hate bill yes. uh, against gay marriage. That, that black people getting blamed up and down the street yeah. for that. For that, that's bill. right. Up and down the street for this legislation. I'm like, we're not even 13 percent of the population, <laughs> and and we get our votes stolen and disenfranchised. What happened in Georgia this week? Yes. Fucking criminal. I know. It's just criminal. So it's you know, but the the ex- accepting the reality, and I think it is self work. A lot of it mm-hmm. is going okay. 
what am I, what, where in my life am I, you know, what can I do in terms of me? Because mm -hmm. I, like Francis started by saying, I, you know, I, I would love for everybody, all of our hearts and minds to be pure and all of that. And I think that I do believe human beings are capable of that. And I think there, that I always get torn about some of this because to be honest, I would rather have you trying and failing than not trying at all. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, like, and I do think that a lot of times, a lot, and I've said this, for instance, well, knows I say this, that in order to have a discussion like this, we all have to let down some of our guard. We as black people or as people <sighs> engaged in these conversations, we have to be willing to hear, to understand this person is trying and not <sighs> just get caught up on initial language. You know, yeah. like, let's let's get to the issue. Let's let people fuck up in their languaging a little bit. Let's let you know, yes. what I mean? let's let people make some mistakes so we can get to the real issue. And then, you know, at least trust that people are trying that their intention is true. Right. Yeah. And you know what? And, you know, and, and I'll give you an example. I was thinking about this this morning. I was born and raised Catholic, you know, Catholic from from uh, preschool. I went through college. I worked in a church for five years. Mm -hmm. OK, real Catholic. Mm -hmm. And so I had some backwards ideas on um, transgender. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't understand mm -hmm. what it meant to be transgender. Mm -hmm. I was, I was, I was going on off of old definitions, old thoughts, right. old, old positions, and it was ignorance. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember telling Angela in my in my late twenties, I said, you know, you can't because she was trying to, you know, make an argument for transgenderism. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you can't tell me. I remember saying this piece mm -hmm. of ignorance. You can't tell me that a child knows yeah. what mm -hmm. gender they are. You know, mm -hmm. we were talking about, would you let your child go to school dressed, uh, gender, gender identified differently than they were born, they were right. born yeah. or change or, that in school? You know? Yeah. And I was saying that I absolutely am proud of any kid who would do that because the kid knows, mm -hmm. right? They mm -hmm. know what they're asking. They're not ignorant to the fact they're going to every kid's getting picked on or has seen somebody picked on or picked yeah. on. They know. So I was like, I'd be proud. And Francis, she was very adamantly against it. And I think from the position of a parent, you were like, I wouldn't let my kid right. put themselves in that kind of danger. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, but but when I tell you the the hundred and eighty that I've done, and the 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 way that I now feel because of the way I used to think, so absolutely um, behind this community mm -hmm. and fighting for their rights, and especially the rights as women, mm -hmm. because I'm a woman too. Mm -hmm. And I know what it feels like as a woman to, to be disregarded mm -hmm. by the larger group of people. And how dare I, from my limited experience as a human on this earth, try to tell you what you experience on the inside of you. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, as, as a, I mean, I feel fortunate in that, you know, I, I, I was raised by a very open-minded mother. I mean, you know, my, my father and mother are both liberals and Democrats, but they split up when I was three and I stayed with my mom. And, you know, my mom, I consider her a progressive, not the fringe version, but, you know, like a progressive. And she's, and I've said this a billion times on my show, my, you know, watching her, um, if somebody uses the N-word or something, she stands up and says, no. I don't don't say that around me. And I mean, I remember as a kid when she would do that, I could feel the tension in the air. And it's and it's not to say that I didn't like her doing that because I was just right. I didn't like the tension that it caught. Yeah. But she didn't care. And mm -hmm. she's just like, fuck it. I don't give a shit if I offend you. You're offending me with that word. And so I feel like I was fortunate. And then I also got to experience um, and I have a point to this. But, you know, I when I was 12 years old, I lived in Russia and I went to a school that had 80 different nationalities. So I got I was exposed to so many different kinds of whether it was religions or skin colors or cultures or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
and it was it was natural for me and then you know going to school in southern california i certainly went to some schools that were primarily white but i for two years i went to a school where it was primarily hispanic and asian and black kids and white kids were like the minority and um even though i never I was never picked on because of my skin color. I can't say I I know what it's like to be a minority. I mean, to a degree I do, but I don't know what it's like to be treated like shit because I have a different skin color. I just know what it's like to be in a room full of kids that are either, you know, Hispanic or Asian or whatever and and I'm like the only white kid. I know what that feels like, but it never felt bad. Like I didn't it wasn't negative. And so when I became, you know, like an online feminist, it started with Rush Limbaugh screaming at Sandra Fluke being, being a slut and everything. And I'm like, Oh no, you didn't, you know, <laughs> just, just like, I'm, I'm going to come in and give my two cents. And then I, and then I found out that there was this world of white feminism and there were white feminists that I knew who said, no, there's no such thing. But I mean, I remember I watched, um, the, and and it, and it's I'm still learning, you know. I mean, still processing all of this. I don't know. I mean, the last time you guys were on the show, and I don't remember which one of you. I think it might have been Francis, but I'm not sure. Um, who had that experience on a job interview when when the man asked you, "Do you know who your father is?" That's um, me. Oh, okay, it was the best job I had. I was currently in it. Yeah. I I will never get over that. I never will get over that as long as I yeah. live. It, it, it's something that as a white person, it wouldn't have occurred to me that anybody would have asked you that. It would have never occurred to me to ask you that. But I mean, like, oh, my God, seriously, someone would even ask you that. And so there's yeah. all the stuff that I'm completely ignorant of. And I realize it. But I feel like I came to this like conversation, even though I had ignorance about what was going on. Um, I did recognize, like, at, at least from my point of view, I, I never looked at it like, well, you know, I just need mine and I don't care about the other person's. Because I had a mother who always, like, instilled in me doing the right thing. And everybody deserves equality. And, and it wasn't like something she preached all day long. It was just the way that she lived her life. And so, yeah. you know, I mean, it's upsetting to me sometimes if I... Um, maybe try to engage and I feel like maybe I flounder like the other day and I will say that I was called out on it and I totally got it but um, you know when Joe Biden said I what did he say you ain't black if, if you're yeah, if, yeah. something like that and so the first the first two tweets that I saw about him saying that were from black men and those black men were like oh my god who gives a shit if Joe Biden said it I don't care I'm with Joe Biden and so that's kind of what informed me. I kind of thought, yeah, I mean, obviously it's Trump or, or Biden and Biden is a gaffe machine. So I wrote that on Twitter and I'm like, oh my God, Biden is a gaffe machine. Get over it and everything. And then there was this woman named, Mel I think her name is Melinda Hale. She's an African-American woman. She said, I don't think it's your place to tell black people how to feel. And I immediately realized that, oh, I, I wasn't coming from that perspective when I wrote that tweet that it, to me, it was just like, oh, okay, here's what black people feel about it. And it's between, and, and Biden wasn't my first choice anyway. And so it's like, oh my God, we just got to get over this. Let's get over the hump and get rid of, you know, fucking Trump. And so um, I told her, I'm like, you're exactly 100% right. And, and it made me think, and it's like the next time something like this happens, I have to really consider my words because I, it, it came off. To her as privileged and and it, yeah. it it wasn't my intent to be privileged but it doesn't matter what my intent is it, it matters how it was taken and I mean no I didn't really get yelled at for it she was really cool because 
we had a good back and forth about it. But I right. immediately said, yes, you're, you're 100% right. Oh my, and I didn't really explain myself to her, but she's 100% right. But I want to get to this. I want to read this meme because I really like it. I just saw it. It says, no matter how open-minded, socially conscious, anti-racist I think I am, I still have old, learned, hidden biases that I need to examine. It is my responsibility to check myself daily for my stereotypes, prejudice, and ultimately discrimination. And I feel like everybody should read that every day. Absolutely. That's why I told the story about my my discrimination or my issue, not discrimination, but my my prejudice or my my ignorance, I should say, mm -hmm. around being uh, people being transgender, because we all I'm black and I'm a woman. Mm -hmm. And you would think I could walk around in this yeah. world not thinking that I don't I, I don't do that. And I did. And I mm -hmm. was doing it. And I can still think about places yeah. I can work on i think that also this is there's this is the problem with these discussions in, in our country is that really to have full discussions about these issues we we need to be able to have nuanced discussions but we can't yeah. get anti-lynching -legis legislation passed right. so getting to a nuanced discussion at times <laughs> seems like a dream you know yeah. a real dream yeah like a crazy dream but i think that that here's part of the problem is that number one for example, uh, when I worked at Second City, uh, there was a, a couple of actors who did a scene that I wasn't in in which they said something that was offensive to some black person. So one day I get this call from the person who was the, the executive producer of the theater to come into his office. I go into his office. Now, I wasn't in that scene. Mm -hmm. I don't know what this is about. I sit down. He tells me it, he gives me this woman's name and number on a piece of paper. He's like, I thought I'd like to talk to this woman. She's a black woman who called and said that she had a problem with this scene, that she didn't like the language that they used in the scene. And I was like, OK, I'm confused. Why are you asking me? Because right. I'm not in the scene. Um, number one, and I knew why he was asking me. Yes. And he didn't want to say why he was asking right. me because the people in the scene, he didn't trust to be articulate enough on the issue. Yeah. Um, and I will tell you that the scene wasn't responsible, in my opinion. That's why I wasn't in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I felt like it was not well conceived, right. the satire, that it didn't go far enough. But we have a problem. We have a problem with telling this is a problem with even, and I'm not saying about this particular woman who you had this interaction with. She doesn't get to tell black people how they feel either well, just because true. she's black. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I think that we have a problem with policing all of policing everything amongst ourselves. But if we could all be honest, you know, and if we could all allow people to fuck up a little bit and understand that mm -hmm. in the context of this safe space, like Francis knows, I always say, I wish there was really a matrix loading program room. <laughs> yes. I wish there was a room <laughs> that was just empty. There yeah. was nothing in it. And you went in there without your ego. Yeah. You went in there without your fears, without your all of that, so that you could hear somebody say, I want to do this correctly. And they could say a bunch of words that aren't right. And they could kind of, but we could get to the real issue and then work back to right. the sort of the, these are important issues. Language mm -hmm. is absolutely, absolutely fundamental. But if we can't get past that, then we don't get to anything. So on the other hand, again, I think the real question is always, you know, is one black person's point of view more important than another's? Mm -hmm. Does one, you know, like, oh, there's a whole bunch of stuff in that. Yeah. I think that the challenge is both personal and, and not in public. And the, and what I'm most concerned with is public mm -hmm. because that personal work is great. And I want every, obviously I'm trying to do it on myself. I'm trying to degender my language. It's very, it's, I'm finding it difficult it is. in it terms is. of focusing on it. It's, mm -hmm. and, um, it, it's really hard and, and it's not hard again it's not like i'm digging a ditch you know but yeah. um but but it's, it's a new it's a habit and i'm right. trying to yes. change a, a that's very exactly well it that's exactly and, it. I, you know, I was i just wanted to throw this out just to your point right there angela i was standing in my living room and i was listening to somebody's walking down my street and they were having a conversation about someone 
and their entire description of them was they and them. Yeah. Yeah, it was a right. female. It was yes. an individual. She was, you know, outwardly a female, and but it was. I was just blown. It's really important. It, I, I was really blown. Fundamental. It was beautiful. Yeah, it's really fundamental. And this thing, it's like. But here's the thing. As a person who's trying to do that, when I see other people falter, give them a little bit of space to falter. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we'll never get to the honest conversation if people are afraid that every single word is going to be, is going to distract from the conversation and get somebody livid. It's okay that you, you have, I'm not saying don't feel the anger, don't feel the whatever. You feel what you feel that you can't control your feelings, yeah. but maybe to just have a little bit more patience on both sides. Mm -hmm. Um and, and I don't mean sides that way exactly. No, either, I know what but you mean. From yeah. all the perspectives. All the right. perspectives yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, because I think that, for example, you, you know, when we talk about like Zerlina Maxwell, for example, she knows who we are. We can't get an interview at Sirius. Yeah. So yeah. when I see her on TV talking about the black community and helping black people, I go, why don't you start with you, girlfriend? <laughs> why don't you start at home? Because that's, I mean, it's it's just so, it's, it's very, it can be very frustrating all mm -hmm. over the place. But I have never seen people engaged in protests. I have never seen what makes me weep. Uh, everything about it makes me weep. But seeing in Kentucky a group of white women surround the black protesters mm -hmm. to put themselves between their bodies yeah. in between their, our bodies and the police. Mm -hmm. that, yeah. That is great. Well, that is yes. And that you is, know, that is something I never thought I'd see the occasional white person walking arms, walking with us in a March. Yeah. Right. Even a bunch of white people want, but taking responsibility, acknowledging right. the reality that you are safer and then using yes. that safety and using that privilege to forward everybody having access to it. That is the change we're talking about. And I, it does give me more hope, even as I tell to myself inside the deep dark of night, Angela, you know, these white people have been saying this for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> They've been saying they're going to be different for a long time. All change is going Well, the, thi the, the bottom line is, I think, I think part of it is, you know, obviously we've got this white supremacist who's leading the country and yeah. the white supremacists have always been there and they are never, they're not all going to go away, but what we're, what we can, I mean, they could go away over time if we had education and we had right. a different system where we didn't um, have this kind of discrimination and make it more difficult for people of color or, you know, I mean, like I went in, I think I might've told you this the last time, but um, I went into Best Buy and I'm, I'm, I, I hope I say it right. Is it a Sikh or a Sikh? I'm not oh, sure. Seek. Seek. Yeah. So this gentleman who was helping me was a Sikh and he was wearing the turban and everything. And so I was, I needed something for my computer for my podcast. And, you know, and I have a tendency to blab. I just, when I meet new people what, at the grocery store, I'm like, blah, 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 blah. and so I'm like, yeah, I have a podcast. And I'm like, it's a political podcast. And I'm just going on. And I didn't say, and he goes, he said, what kind of politics? And I said, well, uh, primarily liberal. I'm a liberal. And as soon as I said that, it was like, you could just see him physically relaxed. Yeah. And, and, then, <laughs> and then not only that, then what he did, it kind of drove, it blew my mind because he, he started to defend himself and defend his lifestyle. And I, and I'm thinking, you don't have to defend yourself to me. And, you know, but he was, he, he was, he was defending who he was to me. And it made he me feel so sad. Have a voice. It's, yeah, it's probably what it was. Probably it was. And, and I but I, it was almost like, I'm so relieved that you're not a Trump supporter. I'm so relieved that you're not this racist asshole who's going to say something horrible to me. And, you know, mm -hmm. let me just share this moment with you. And it and it, it was it was touching, but it, it almost it made me feel sad in a way because I felt like what has he experienced in order? 
order to feel that way. You know, I mean, what has gone down in his life? And so, you know, when I think in terms of what's happening, I feel like, okay, we've got this racist and, and he, and he's a white supremacist and he's making all these people feel comfortable because they were there before. You know, I mean, when Barack Obama was president, they were pissed off and they were starting to come out of the woodwork and like, okay, we don't like this. We don't. But then they got this, you know, lunatic in there, this white supremacist lunatic. And they're like, all right, we are now validated and we can say whatever we want. It's like, um, what's his name? John Mulaney. Is that his name? Uh, the comedian who says the horse, you know, Trump is the horse in the hospital. He's like, all of a sudden we've got this horse in the hospital and it's okay to say the N word publicly. And it's like, no, it isn't. <laughs> but I think though that, Whatever you know, I mean, yes, white people have been giving lip service, and occasionally we get a little farther, but then it's all these steps back. With this particular situation, I think one of at least from what I can see is initially what I heard was when when um, Derek Chauvin is charged with something, the protests will stop, and so he was charged with third degree. Protests going kept going on. Then he was charged with secondary kept going on then we're seeing it in france then we're seeing it in the uk then we're seeing you know then you're talking about these white people using their own bodies it's so much bigger than this one incident and it's tied into this white supremacist movement that's also growing uh globally and so i think here if we can you know hearts it's like you said legislation okay hearts and mind hearts and mind but you know what we need not only legislation, but it's like the redistribution of money from the police force into other programs, whether it's education, whether it's, you know, uh, mental health, all of that, so that the police, A, are not having to take care of all those random things that they shouldn't have, they should not be dealing, you know, I'm I'm watching watching Orange is the New Black, and there's that character, uh, Crazy Eyes, and she's mentally impaired. She she doesn't belong in prison. And no, you know, she's again. Yeah. so, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm hopeful that this particular time is different because it is an outcry. It, you know, white supremacy isn't only in the United States and it's something that Vladimir Putin is fanning the flames around the globe. And it feels like um, it feels like people are standing up to that. You know, I mean, it's, it's awakening here yeah. that has that I believe started before. George Floyd. George Floyd was the is the is the rocket. Yeah. 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 I think I mean you can't ignore the election of the first black president. Yes. Right. You know, right, right. like I think that that is uh, at this at the same time, just as like whenever black people start to do well, that fans the flames mm-hmm. of our KKK uh brethren and they yeah. have to rise up. So two years of a black president, that yeah, two, you know, yeah. that we get we got the we're getting we were gonna get a backlash and we had been getting a backlash. <laughs> yeah. uh, but then now with the election of Trump and with people really thinking that that was a viable fucking choice. Right. I mean, it is so offensive that you go from a constitutional scholar yep, mm-hmm. to a piece of shit, to a piece of shit yeah. who has, who has actively discriminated to the point where, do you know how hard it is to bring a discri- housing discrimination suit against <laughs> someone? Wow. Do you know how hard it is to do that? Yeah. That this man has been like, and that he is, he, tra- he, he's in pornos and he's in the <laughs> yeah. very year that the Republican party national committee said that pornography was a, was a health issue, a major health epidemic in this country. They then made him his, their candidate. Yes. <laughs> and then I got to watch Jim Jordan. Jim, I know. Man, right boys, right. Jordan. 
Right. Get up this morning and tell me about how great the police, his morality. Here's the problem. And here's the absolute problem from from white feminism to white men in government. I got to listen to you going to tell me that I got to get out the street. Mm -hmm. I got to follow your laws. Meanwhile, I got to listen to Jim Jordan. Right. It's the head of yes. a committee. Oh, wait, you're going to fire uh -huh. and harass and insult people for kneeling. Yeah, but then when I go on the street, I also can't do that. See, yeah. here's the thing. <laughs> but I got to look morality? Fuck you. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's like, you know, and like Roger Goodell saying, you know, we should have handled it differently or, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it differently. I'm sure you are. I'm sure now that you can't play your sport at all, you're going, oh, wait a minute. Maybe if I hadn't thought I could control mm -hmm. black people and tell black people when and, and how and to own speak, them and yeah. own them, yeah. maybe, hmm, maybe now it's like, yeah, now I guess you do wonder about that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and I'm just forced to. And I still hear people this week saying, well, you know, Ben Carson, Ben Tap, Tap, oh, Carson up there saying, destroying whatever credibility he might have had in his in his life, defending this racist ass regime. I heard some conservatives putting forward Condoleezza Rice yeah. as a possible. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> the woman who as national security advisor wrote a paper saying that, about why black people like as she is just such a step and fetch and like Boom. coon. And yeah. we're not allowed to say that. We said it. Whatever, because <laughs> that's what she is. And I'm like, when you get put, when your name gets put on the side of an oil tanker, I consider you an enemy. Yeah, absolutely. So that, like, that is, and I'm just like, you you want to tell Democrats that they have to hands across the aisle have a Republican yeah, money no, name no when fucking you way. elect a white supremacist, yeah, and then try to act like that doesn't mean anything about what you think about black people. Exactly, and you know what? It all from from top to bottom. To, Trump is white people's commentary on Obama. Yes. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. They just find the most ignorant among us. That's right. And give him this job and show you that even the most ignorant among us can do this job. That's right. And he can't. And of course he can't. He can't do anything. He no, he's, he's killing this country. And we are in a recession that is probably going to go to a depression. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are in the middle of opening up and playing like hear no evil, see no evil yeah. while people die in the die. Yeah, Cam. I know. I know. Very well, I, I, I think there's a something that, it, you know, it's like occurs to me, for instance, the, the Equal Rights Amendment, you know, it, but when Trump started, when Trump entered office, we needed three states. We had needed three states since, I think, 1982, uh, when that stupid deadline was attached and it expired. And I think they gave a second deadline and then that expired and then it just ended. So mm -hmm. for all these decades, there were three states needed and it was a lost cause and no one, blah, 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 blah. So I came in on 2012 and I remember, you know, like, what can we do? And trying to figure this out. And, and interestingly, now I will say that a lot of fir the first state, the, uh, the first of the three states that finally ratified was, um, I think it was Nevada and Nevada, Nevada. And I know there's a way to say it and I can't remember, but anyway, <laughs> there were, there were boots on the ground, right? There were people who had been in place and working on lawmakers and, but it was interesting to me that it passed in Nevada when, after Trump was elected. And then the following year, Illinois, which also had a strong presence of, you know, activists who were talking to lawmakers and all this, then it passed there. And then we saw in 2018, the blue wave, basically, and that changed the dynamics of uh, the legislature in Virginia. So the Democrats won. And yeah. finally, we got that third 
and last state needed. Now, now we're on the legal battle, which is a whole nother thing. But my point here is that I don't know if that if that would have happened if Trump if Hillary had won. Now, those boots would have still been on the ground. But the perception, I think, by many legislators is, well, we've got a woman president. We don't need this. You right. know, and, and they're yeah. president. Yes. There's no more racism. Yeah, they exactly. got into voting rights amendment. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like in, in, in this instance, it is horrible. And I would, any any point in time, I would choose Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump for any number of reasons. But if we're going to take away something that might be positive coming from his awfulness is that people are waking up and, and, and seeing yes. things that they didn't see before and understanding that, you know, whether it's women or black people or whatever, that there were problems that needed to be addressed and they were just being ignored. And that was one of my fears of Hillary, uh, I mean, yeah, of Hillary becoming the president was that the Equal Rights Amendment was never going to get passed. And I, I just... You know, I we just, have so much faith in, in these things. And, and I, I, I think that what I've learned the most out of Trump being in office is how much of our government is based on faith. How yeah, much of yes. it isn't... You know, I thought these there were things that, that couldn't happen. Little did I know they only didn't happen because people didn't do them. Mm -hmm. right. They didn't they norms. Mm -hmm. They were just norms. That mm -hmm. in fact, that when you look at it, when people, Francis, I went back and forth this the other day. She was saying, you know, we don't have secret police in this country. I'm like, in practice, we actually do. They're in Washington right now. Yeah. And she said, but we don't have them. I go, but we do. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's where we're, I feel like, we, we get stuck in this area a lot, which is what is actually happening? And mm -hmm. are we so stuck in the rules of how things work? Should be. Or should be that we don't understand that they only work that way if everybody decides they do. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. All it 100%. But somebody yeah. saying, I don't even know what the rules are. And look, we've yeah. got concentration camps on our border. And yeah. I've got fucking assholes telling me you can't vote for Biden. He's not going to do enough. I was like, you privileged fucks. I know. There I are know. children dying in camps who will never see their families again. Mm -hmm. And you want me to give a fuck about your full progressive agenda? Yes. This is what black people have always had to do. We have always had to figure out what is the best way forward. <laughs> given the bullshit, horrible choices we have. And this is, Biden is not a bullshit, horrible choice, and neither was Hillary. No. But we couldn't just have the campaign. We couldn't just look and, well, for once, vote for somebody other than ourselves. Mm -hmm. Vote for the weakest among us. Vote for the person who can't vote. You can't tell me you didn't know what voting for Donald Trump was going to do to a whole segment of the population. Yeah. You just didn't care. Right. You didn't care. Yes. Yeah, that's that's what it boils True. down to. And it's so no, sad. No, I didn't think it would be as bad as this. I don't think anybody thought it would, I knew it would be bad. But right. yeah, I thought yes. it would be inept. Yeah. But I didn't know it would be straight up fascist. Oh, oh exactly. Yeah. I didn't know. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, oh, that oh poor Darby. Yeah. I didn't know at, at any point that, you know, I would be on a lockdown at some point. Right. Uh, God, I know. A I mean, it just, it just keeps You're getting worse. Well, 10,000 troops into American cities. He was trying to do that last mm -hmm. week. Mm -hmm. Yes, he. Uh, yeah, he was. And it's um, I want to I want to switch this, though, because I want to ask you about the last time you guys were here. I know you were supporting Warren. So mm -hmm. and so was I. And we didn't get our way, but we're still going to vote for Biden because we're not fucking assholes. <laughs> but, <Right. laughs> but I'm just right. wondering now, you know, I mean, I will say that up until this uh, the protest started, I was feeling like you know, perhaps, and it was, it wasn't necessary. I mean, my emotional choice is always going to be Elizabeth Warren, but take my emotions out of it. And I thought, you know, well, um, I, I think she would be the best VP pick. And, and it's not just me thinking that it's just like based on her resume. What do I think Obama's thinking? Knowing that Joe wanted her to be his running mate in 2016, although he didn't run. Um, 
but now, you know, we've got we've got this situation going on and people are waking up to it in a way that they haven't. What do you, who do you guys think he should support? Or I mean bring in as his VP? Well, I think it should be an African American woman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so when we look at those choices, that's Stacey Abrams, mm-hmm. Val Demings, uh, Kamala Harris, mm-hmm. right? Kamala? Yes. Uh, and, and so my personal choice, it was for a very long time, Stacey Abrams. I really enjoy her perspectives, yeah. her mind, her energy. I think that she has, she is forward thinking. Yes. She has new, brave ideas. Yet, that was before George Floyd. Mm-hmm. I would now, I think that the way that Val Demings has come out mm-hmm. and who she has been since and in terms of policing mm-hmm. and, and and reform of police and being part of that discussion. Yeah. Where we are right now today, I, I would lean also into Val Demings. Interesting. That's think, so does Glenn Kirsch- I think Kirchner. The, yeah. I, was, I think the most important thing is, here's the deal. My my mother and I and she is older black people. They are the reason for a lot of it, a lot of what's happened, you know, Mm -hmm. like, but um, she's afraid. And I think reasonably so, which is why they chose Biden. Right. Mm -hmm. They're like, who can we count on? This isn't about who black people think is the best. It's about who black people think is the best candidate that white people will vote for. Yes. Yes. And so um, they say what we say to ourselves is, are they going to vote for Stacey? Are they going to vote for um, Kamala? Are they going to vote for who who among those black women are you more likely to vote like? Mm -hmm. And this is the problem. If you if white folk could send an unambiguous message to the whole country of this is who we will vote for, then maybe my problem is my mother won't hear of a black woman candidate. She wants to go back to the old strategy. If you've got one's perceived eastern, if one part of the ticket is sort of the eastern or northern elite, then you need a southerner. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You need a, and she's like, we need a white male Southerner in order to get the white. And, and this that thinking is, is very dominant among mm-hmm. yes. in the Democratic Party, you know. And the thing is, and she the way the, the real base of it is, and it's not that there aren't qualified what, uh, people. The real base of it is this fear. And the fear is not unfounded because it's the same reason why when people bring up Bernie Sanders and I go, OK, here's the problem. And I think Jason Johnson said it really well um, a, a while ago. He said, here's the problem with voting for Bernie that we for a lot of black people voting for Bernie, not all, obviously, but the miscalculation, which is you're asking us to trust that white people will do something in this country that they have never done before, mm-hmm. which is sharing the bounty of it. Mm-hmm. His candidacy and it's being a, a Democratic socialist, you're asking us to believe that the majority of white people will be okay, mm-hmm. that they want to share in the body of this country, but we have no, <sighs> we have absolutely no reason to believe that historically. Yeah. We have not ever seen it. And so I think that the problem we're having right now, not problem, but the concern is how do we get – is that? Is can we trust – after Trump mm-hmm. especially, can we trust yeah, white people? Exactly. Yeah. Can we, we trust see, we white people? how y'all act, but you do. <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> so can we trust white people to vote for Biden or vote at all? Will they choose to just not vote, which is really voting for Trump? Yeah. Um, if, if we don't have a, another candidate, they feel some kind of kinship mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the real question. And focusing on – I think we have this tendency that like, let's tell the truth about the issue. Mm-hmm. I, I'm voting for Biden, period. I don't really care what he does between <laughs> now and, and 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 he's the I frankly think he should go on vacation. Yes, and all I agree with you. I totally agree with you. <laughs> I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I would be fine with not seeing him until inauguration day. I'm totally cool I with it. You know? Like, it doesn't really fucking matter. Mm-hmm. And I, and I am, a, I, let me tell you something, I'm a 
communist. I'm beyond this. Nobody's my candidate. You know what I'm saying? But like what I do know is what keeps us safest, what gets us closer, what gets us out of this hellhole is that side of the ticket. Yes. And 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 so it on one hand I go, when people get in this this just vehement debate about this, I go, let's first all say it don't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we would love, I think we have an opportunity to get a black woman, a woman, which I think all white women should get behind because mm-hmm. a black woman can do it. We know y'all can. Right. So like, <laughs> like, get a woman in the executive branch. Mm-hmm. This may be our best opportunity at it. Yes. Well, and I was, and, I, I was, in talking, our lifetimes. I was talking to Glenn about this because I was saying, you know, okay, there's, I I have this feeling and I feel like whoever he chooses has a very good chance of being president before the four years is up because Absolutely. yeah. And I mean, I just, it's not that I think he's going to die or anything like that. I just no, think that I, it's going to be too much for him. Yeah. And so, um, and I think there might be, and I don't know, this is me guessing and it's not that I'm so great with political predictions, but it feels like um, if we are going to bring in this woman, We've had, I mean, Hillary Clinton was voted in by the popular vote, but but what she didn't have because of all the crap that she's been through her whole fucking life, um, mm-hmm. you know, she could not overcome. I think she could have overcome the GOP bullshit, but throw Russia into the mix and it was just too yeah. much. And so whatever woman is going to be, you know, running in 2024 is going to have to deal with all that same shit. I mean, she won't have the decades of Hillary baggage that is bullshit, mostly, you know, GOP lies that that saturated into this country. But it doesn't matter because we still have this sexist, racist issue. And so if it's a black woman um, and and what Glenn told me, you know, because I was thinking, all right, so what if we have a black woman? She's running in 2024. She's going to whether it's a white woman or black woman. I think part of the reason Joe Biden would step down is give that woman some time to show everybody, look, I am capable, I can do this, and you can trust me. And, yeah. you know, and so then 2024 comes around, and then they then they don't have these questions of like, but is she going to be emotional? I don't like her pantsuit, right. or whatever bullshit reason they come up with. She's going to have a period, or whatever. So it's mm-hmm. like, I feel, and, and Glenn said, you know, and I said, okay, so are we as a country ready and prepared to elect a black woman i mean a black we've already seen that it's very difficult to get a white woman in there and you know even a white woman who wins the fucking popular vote because we have people who understand how to mess with the electoral issue of Mm -hmm. that side and focus on it so since we can't go by the popular vote even though she really did win she didn't win so how is a black woman going to overcome when we've got this terrible racist problem like his point was well we can't be worried about how we think other people are going to vote and so I mean I totally agree with that because I was saying the same thing when it was Joe Biden it's like I don't think as a party we should be so concerned with oh well you know Joe Biden is going to bring in this vote and that vote and he's going to bring in this vote so we you know all these people are going to be afraid of whether it was Kamala or Elizabeth or whatever um are but so you're on that page you think like if we have a black woman and obviously you want a black you, I, and I agree. I think, and I've said this before too. We should have a fucking I'll black woman you, president I'll, right I'll now. Tell Kim, <laughs> huh? I'll tell you off the top, Kim, why I think he should uh, pull a black woman because mm-hmm. black people delivered him. Yes, he totally, a hundred percent. Women, because black women more, but only slightly more than black men. That mm-hmm. gets ignored a lot. Mm-hmm. The black man percentage is just a little bit below the black women. Yeah, you know, um, who voted for him. It is South Carolina that woke up everybody in the middle of the night. Yes. I called Francis that night, and I was like, 
because we were, as you know, we were supporting Elizabeth Warren. I was like, yeah. we're voting for Biden, aren't we? And she's like, uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was uh, yeah. like, and then I called my sister and expecting, I thought one of them was going to go, no, girl, we're still voting for Warren. We are. And she went, no, that's who we're voting for. We just got told. Yeah. Yes. Carolina just said, everybody, yep. this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We heard the drinking gore. And mm-hmm. I know that people got upset that after the two two of the whitest states in this country, yes. um, uh, you know, told them that they had a ch- Buttigieg and Sanders yeah. were the people to watch. I was right. like, yeah. And yeah. who knew? Don't pay attention. Not don't pay attention because those matter. But understand that that's, a, that's part of the equation. Mm-hmm. The real equation hasn't started yet. And then when South Carolina, that's like, that's it. And you saw that weekend, everything fell. Mm-hmm. Like every everybody was like, nope. And since then, I mean, when Pelosi finally did endorse him, I thought she'd already done it. Yeah. I thought right. she'd done it like a month before. <laughs> so it's sort of like, I look at the situation, I go, here's the deal. I get, I, it's hard for me because I look at my mother and she has been here longer than I have. Mm-hmm. And she's a lawyer and she's been experienced and she's been involved in politics. She's on, she was on the city council. She's run for office. Mm-hmm. And I do hear what she's saying. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that. And I, what I can tell you right now is I can't talk her out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I so, always I always go back so, to my friend at the grocery store. She's a black woman. And initially she was just like, it's got to be two white men. It's got to be, mm-hmm. you know, Biden and a white guy. And and yeah. I kept arguing with her. And I'm like, no, no. I mean, I love this woman. I love her. And she's so sweet. She's so sweet that one time I was in the grocery store and she like, I guess she was getting ready to leave and she hugged me. And it was like, it's just so cute. But we always talk about politics. Anyway, she was adamant. It's got to be a man. It's got to be a white man because this is a white man's fight. And then so when Joe Biden was elected or not elected, you know, basically we knew it was Joe Biden. Um, mm-hmm. Now, the last time that I saw her, I said, OK, who do you want? Because he's going to pick a woman because she did not want a woman. I'm like, all right, he, he said he's going to pick a woman. So what woman do you want to see? And she said, Elizabeth Warren. And I said, and she doesn't like Kamala Harris. She just doesn't like her. She doesn't trust her. And I don't, you know, I don't know her. I'm going to ask her the next time I see her, I'm going to ask her about Val Demings. Um, But I always thought, I always felt it was between Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris. And I do think Kamala has a much stronger um, position right now. Plus, I know, I know yesterday I saw Alyssa Milano was posting about, she was involved in some Zoom thing where both uh, Harris and Biden were doing fundraisers. And she was like, that's it. That's the ticket. That's what we need to see. And and I think Harris obviously has the most, um, she's most recognizable. Uh, yeah. I, you know, most, I don't, I don't hear people just in general talking about Val Dummings, although her name is coming up more and more. But, yes. um, you know, I heard more of Stacey Abrams. That's starting to die down. Now I'm starting to hear more of Val Dummings. But I think, you know, ha- Harris is the most high profile. And so I do think right now that it's probably between those two women. And I think, yeah. you know, from what I've seen of Val Dummings, I actually think maybe she would be a stronger choice, um, mm-hmm. specifically because of her background. You know, yes. and it's like, that's what I thought about Elizabeth Warren. I was like, okay, I'm just looking at her resume. I don't, I understand color plays a part, but like, what is their resume? But I look at Val Deming's resume and it's like, I mean, is there anyone more suited? I don't know. I think she's, she seems to be like that perfect person in this moment to, yeah, to get this I, done. I think, I think that we, that, but here's the thing. We're going to, if that's who what we feel we're going to have to unambiguously show that to this other generation of people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they are really, and they are right. I am desperately concerned it's not hyperbole that Canada has just basically offered us asylum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that used to be kind of a joke right. in our family, you know, we'll just go to Canada, but they literally just, it was the last week, last week, 
black people can have basically black people can maybe just apply to be Canadian citizens on the basis of being tortured in this country. And when that's not a little thing that that is our closest allies acknowledging the entire populations of this country are so embattled and disenfranchised that they are, that they need to be considered refugees in, in, in their country of terror and uh, and fascism. So we have to, we have to show, and Mm -hmm. I mean, through unambiguous, Mm -hmm support Mm -hmm. that we will for sure and by we i mean everyone and i mean white people Mm -hmm. that you will for sure vote for this ticket yeah (laughs) because my i cannot talk this group of people and because they have history on their side and Mm -hmm. all the they are i get it we have to show them that this can actually happen or else we will be fragmented and that's why i need the people who hey you i love bernie too we all love a lot of things i need y'all to shut up and focus (laughs) and 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 that's not me saying i i'm I'm trying to silence you um (laughs) i'm just saying maybe you could journal that and we could talk about it let me tell you something i love i love me some bernie oh my god he's amazing he's great he's wonderful he hasn't got shit done when he's been up and hey look the point is you know, for me, I'm like, revolutions don't happen because you vote for somebody. That's mm-hmm. not a revolution. What's in the street, what everybody should be aware of is the reason these reforms are starting to happen. The reason that you see people who are old guard, it feels like talking about defund the police and talking mm-hmm. about that. The reason is because we people have been in the street, white mm-hmm. people, millions of people yeah. around the world. And what they understand is in the middle of a pandemic, when a lot of us don't have to pay rent and the world didn't fall apart, we're starting to see so that $1,200 check was socialism. Yeah. What we're starting to see is wait a minute we could actually have a society where people didn't have these bills and Mm -hmm. it doesn't fall apart Mm -hmm. and that's dangerous for this power structure Mm -hmm. they have got to get us back out working they have got no matter how dangerous it is because it's just like obamacare it's just like health care you give us a taste right we're never going to give it up exactly yes yeah and i think (sighs) that that is do not mistake these gains as being about continued pressure and people understanding at the highest levels of power and one percentism that what i've noticed is why am i less stressed about money right now Mm -hmm. and i said to francis i was like that's so weird to me because normally i'd be more and i was like oh because the biggest problem i have has been temporarily put aside Mm -hmm. that i have an interest-free penalty-free loan Mm -hmm. and that what that showed me is the world didn't stop did it we still had education. We still have things. Had. Like, so if we just change our values, yeah. yeah, if we just decide something is a way, it can actually be that that's dangerous for them. Yes, it is. It definitely is. And, you know, I know we got to wrap this up, but I remember seeing just at the beginning of this pandemic, there was an article written saying, prepare for the whole return, like back to the normal for all the ways, you know, all our polluting ways and all the ways that keeps people down. We're going to see a push, whether it's from legislators from both sides of the aisle or from corporations, you know, let's get back to where we used to be because that's where people had to work, you know, three and four. I mean, this woman that I'm talking to you about who works at the grocery store, she works at the fucking courthouse five days a week. And then she works at the grocery store on the weekends so she works seven days a week and it's like it shouldn't be that way for anybody and you know that it's it's that way for a lot of people and that does need to change and so i'm hopeful i mean i'm hopeful that these protests definitely are are going to mark a significant change and it's like it's trump it's uh covid because covid is changing us and there Mm -hmm. there are so many variables here that are are making us wake up to okay what we've been doing, it's not it, it it's not good for everyone. And then not only that, when when shit starts to hit the fan, it's pretty much not good for anyone. And so yeah. we have to real. And it's like going back to to the fact that there was all these 
um, norms that were recognized, tradition, traditions and norms that were recognized in a presidency that are no longer. And we're going to have to also address that because, you know, Trump has just trampled all over that. And so as much as he's done so much damage to the country and scared people and literally killed people, um, perhaps there is some kind of positivity that can come out of this because we've just all been taken to the brink. And, you know, we're going to say, no, we have to change this. And I really hope so. And I just want to say, I so much appreciate your opinions and I, I, I appreciate you coming on the show and talking about them because, like I said, I mean, I, I, I don't feel like a clueless white woman, but I also know that, you know, like that meme I read, there's biases and there's prejudices sometimes that exist that we're not even aware of. And it's important to have these kinds of conversations and discussions because things come up that you're like, oh, my God, I never thought of it that way. And that sometimes that's all you really need is just to go, oh, I never thought of it that way. And, exactly. then, and then you just switch. And that's, yeah. that's, that's what we're all trying to do is think differently. Mm-hmm. Try to, trying to have new thoughts because it's the new thoughts that take us to the new places yeah. and that change. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you guys for being on. Let me just say, tell everybody um, where they can find you. And then I'm going to put the links to the description for your um, Twitter and whatever websites in the page, you know, the, the link to your websites in the Patreon description of the show. So where, where can they find you? You can find us at Frangela Duo on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. Well, again, thank you guys. I love you. I wish I could just give you a big hug. All right. You take care. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Wow. That was a good discussion. And I'm really glad that they were on. Um, Talking to them is great because I love they're so intelligent. They're so articulate. But most importantly, they are because they're comedians. They have this sense of humor. And I think when people are um, comedians, you know, clearly there are perspectives that they take a look at maybe that other people haven't, you know, I, you know, always take a look at comedians and they're like, did you ever see this this way? And it's like, they have this interesting perspective. And so, um, talking to them not only makes me happy, I always feel like I learned something. So yay for that. (laughs) Anyway, I'm going to keep this really brief today. I'm just going to, um, Say you can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Don't forget that E-Y at the end. Um, Also, you can go to Amazon and look at my books. I have The Virgin Diaries and Peyton's Choice and American Woman and Ain't No Sunshine, Men Reveal the Pain of Heartbreak. They're all on Amazon. And uh, take a look. Hopefully, if you, you know, just so you know, and I've said this before, but if you're new to the show, Peyton's Choice is about pro-choice teen abortion. So there's that. And The Virgin Diaries is a book about um, people sharing what it was like to have first-time sex. So anyway, thanks for listening. I will see you next week. Take care and stay safe.